Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Downtown Riders Jam podcast. Really excited today. Going to have a conversation with John Gibson, who is the writer and director of a movie called Revelation Trail, which you may or may not have heard of. If you haven't, you should go immediately and look it up. You can buy it at most retail outlets, but you can also find it on iTunes. So John is a guy I used to teach with um, at a little regional university called Northern Kentucky University. In fact, that's where I'll be heading to have a conversation with him. He's a professor there, and uh, a few years ago he he teaches film, and he uh, sent me an email uh, saying he had a script that he was working on, and he was interested in my feedback. And I, you know, I thought, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll take a look at that, and. I read it and it's really fucking good. But, you know, you get things like this happen and, you know, people say, oh, I'm going to shoot a feature like movie, whatever. Um, never quite sure exactly what is going to pan out in that way. Um, but I went through and, um, you know, he's an earnest kid and, and gave him feedback and introduced him to a couple of students of mine that I thought could help him build some web stuff out. And then watched over the next seven years as he put together this amazing film that has gotten national distribution. They built forts, all kind of stuff. It was just amazing. Um, raised money on Kickstarter when a fort fell through so they could build a new fort. And it just, it has been amazing to see how they put this together and the success they've had. And I got to go to one of the premieres and, and it was just, it was great. It was great. Took my wife and we just we had such a good time. And it's one of those rare moments where you see somebody who has an idea who just, you know, fucking does something, just does it, like doesn't really um, worry about why it's hard, what's difficult about it, the things that should stop. They didn't sit down and, you know, they had out a plan, obviously had a plan for how to do it, but it wasn't like he didn't start until the plan was put together. Like the plan was make a movie, which I thought was great. I, I was listening to uh, a couple weeks ago, um, Louis CK and Mark Marin talking. I mean, I've referenced this uh, before in other interviews, but at one point, I don't know. I can't remember. Louis CK was explaining or recounting this. Um, I think it was a Francis Ford um, Coppola, and I don't know whether he's talking to Louis C.K. or whether he just Louis C.K. had heard him say that. But the essence of it was like, if you want to make movies, you just make a movie. I like that. It, it exists. Like, just go make the thing. And I always tell my students, like, make things. Like, that's how it's done. So all this existential bullshit about why don't I have time to write or, or any of the stuff that I go through. Um, as my life sort of becomes this administrative shithole of 
um, paperwork that I hate doing that has nothing to do with writing and the thing that I do. I, it, it is refreshing to see. I mean, John is <laughs> getting ready to have his second kid while this is all happening, you know, and like you, I see people that somehow manage their stuff better than me uh, and realize that it's, it's health is good to be around this stuff. Like not that I'm, you know, like anybody else, I have my own sort of damage and the sobriety is a thing that I work on. And so, you know, some mental energy goes to that. Like number one on the list is that, like, don't be a dick to the people in my life. And that means don't drink uh, or do drugs um, or any of the things that sort of fall in that continuum. But it also is a reminder that like, that is not enough, right? Like if you want to make a movie, you make a movie. And if you want to write, you write, you sit down and you fucking do it. And you don't worry about where it's going to end up and you don't worry about what it's going to do. And John is really funny in that he will both, at least in our conversation, I don't, we haven't talked yet. Um, sometimes I record these before, sometimes after, and this is a before. It, he is in one sense, like very meticulous about how he plans things out. And then in another sense, very much like cliff dives and figures shit out as he's, you know, plummeting towards the the water and that is healthy like the older you get the harder it is to cliff dive because you know there are ways to do things and 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 some of the beauty of the art is things that don't work it's things that aren't quite right like it's the rough edges that make people give a shit about stuff so it, it is um as i've been john and i've been going back and forth trying to to set up a time on this like it is i have been talking um you know the jam talks to writers of all ilks like it doesn't really you know your background doesn't matter so much but he's the he was when i decided to do this series he was like number one on my list just because i saw seven eight years ago when this process was starting and i got to watch the whole process of how the script becomes webisodes becomes a website becomes shorts and trailers becomes the feature film and to see how that process has evolved and how he's gotten feedback in the ways in which he's gone out and handled that has been really fascinating to me. Um, and it's just one of those kick in the pants that reminds me that, like, you can sit around and talk about this shit all day long. But at the end of the day, if you want to make a movie, you make a movie. So that's healthy. I think it's, it's a healthy reminder for all of us that busy is just the bullshit that you do to not get your work done. Right? Like, you will clear the things off the deck that you don't want to do. And if you don't, maybe the thing you don't want to do is the, is the writing. Um, you know, there's an inherent fear about sitting down and being, at least for me, like my career was heading in one way and then like there had been this dip. And so going back and finding out that maybe you're not fucking Hemingway is, you know, nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to that to be the thing except for, you know, at the end of the day, like I don't give a shit. I don't care what people think about my writing. Um, it's nice when people interact with it, but I am one of those writers that when it's done, it's done. It's I don't. I'm happy to hear what people reacted to the writing, but that critiques about my writing or things that like when writers talk to me about writing or my writing, like I, this, it hasn't. My wife laughs because she'll read something I wrote and you know say like, I, "Well, this is. I know you don't care, but like this is really good." And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I, I like that it impacted you or that you, you know, had some reaction to it. But, like, I don't 
because I can't. If I get invested in that stuff, I'll fucking I'll melt down. Like that'll be a thing. And, and I think John, to a certain extent, is that way. He he gets a lot of feedback, and I think he cares. He's like he's the same in that he cares a great deal about what people think, and I think that that actually impacts him more than it does me. But th- you know that may be healthy because he sort of gets in the shit with it and deals with um, the aftermath of the writing or the movie. Um, whereas I sort of distance myself from that and, and keep away. Don't forget, I'm trying to get him to come to the Writers' Jam, although um, I think kid number two is either in November or sometime around November. So I don't think. But I will get John to one of the Writers' Jams. Um, in the meantime, November 12th, Indy Reads Books, 6.30 to 8.30. We have eight authors signed up right now, five on the pro side, three on the newbie side. Um, Trey Dow will be there from Simon & Schuster. He's got a new book called The Protectors. Um, Who else? Bill Hillman is coming. Um, Erica Wirth, whose book I'm reading, Crazy Horse's Girlfriend, reading that right now. So we've got a good crew coming from three or four different states. Um, TheGeekyPress.com backslash events will get you there while you are at the site. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. It's a semi-regular, only when we got cool shit to tell you about. Like you will not get something every month, um, but you will get something that four or five times a year uh, with the things that we are doing that you should absolutely keep your eye on. So, with all of that behind us, my interview with John. All right, so... First time I met you, I think you were. You, was it your? Was it two thousand? When did you get to NKU? Um, I got up to NKU in August of two thousand eight. So it was right. Before, it was my last year because uh, I left in two thousand nine. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, you would have. Uh, the first time we met would have been actually at a faculty meeting whenever I first came up, and I was a terrified little bunny staring out at all these people, like, "Holy crap! They're all much more professional than I am." Because <laughs> you had, had you just gotten your master's. Um, I had actually, I had finished my master's two years before. And this was at uh, Eastern? Uh, Murray State University. Murray State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got my master's and my undergrad at Murray State. Um, in what? Uh, my master's was in mass communication. Uh, my undergrad was actually history and with political science. So it's like nothing to do with the thing that you end up doing? Nothing to do with it at all. Um, it was uh, my, basically... What I do now is a combination of uh, a lot of passion, you know, you know, doing some hobbies outside of class, but then kind of chasing after those hobbies, uh, and then a lot of dumb luck for the most part. Um, being in the right place at the right time or having the right conversation at the right time, where had I gone on break five minutes before, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. You know, little things like that that happen. So... You get here, you get to Northern Kentucky University in 2008, and you immediately start working on this movie, Revelation Uh, Trail? Well, um... Because I feel like now that's, like, the first thing that... Because you send that to me next year, like, less than a year later, and it was a full script. Yeah, we had had actually started on it... it's, it's kind of hazy on the exact time because, you know, I keep saying, oh, we've been working on it for seven years. And my wife reminded me the other day. She was like, you were saying that like two years ago. You right. Know, I'm really bad about things like that. So really, I guess it was probably around 2000, 2007, um, the idea first started uh, percolating a little bit. Um, and it was one of those things where we had this idea 
the undead, the West, you know, and it starts brewing. And we get up to when I came up to NKU, I didn't have a final script written, but we had most of a final script written. And so really that year that I was up here, that first year up at NKU was the home, was the refining of the script yeah. prior to you getting it. Um, and then even after you got it, I think you only got a, I feel like you only got a, um, like a 60 page script or something like that. It wasn't the full final film. But no, because it was early. Because you was, were, we were still, or you were. I didn't do anything. You were still working out. What was the mythology? Like, was there going to be? Like, was it going to be Greek? Was yeah, Roman? Well, something else? And, and what we were, I remember the stage I was at when you read the script. I think we it, talked about the seven deadly sins in the we Bible. Because that was all going to be expanded universe. Because yeah. that was the big. You know, I was going all George Lucas on yeah. this thing. You know, and that um, that was the shit that really got me yeah, excited. And, it, and that's still, and that's still kind of developing. Really, how I've looked at it is the film has been the flagship for yeah. this expanded universe. Well, really, with, with you, I remember when you got a hold of the script was that. Um, we had about a 60-page story. All of the pieces were there, but some things were a little bit stronger or weaker than mm-hmm. others. And so I had remember giving you the script and two or three other people uh, and saying, look, I need feedback on this. And I, and specifically with, new, with you, I knew you would be a dick. Mm-hmm. You could have asked before we did this. I'm okay to say whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not a secret good. to people yeah. that know me. <laughs> so, um, I just had a conversation with an author where I, where I talked to – I judge writers. Like, there's only two kinds of writers. There's, like, people that I think are writers, and then there's hacks. And, like, I like you fall into the writer category. Well, yeah. I was, like, actually, I was wondering there for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, but out. to me, it's not about talent. It's, it's about the process that you go through. And some people just, like, turn shit out. And and I, did, I don't have a great deal of respect for that. Um, and then some people, like, labor through what the, what the thing is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in like an art. Like you made a film. Like yours is not. Yours was not like a theoretical writing thing. Like, um, and, I, and it changed. I'm sure throughout the process. Um, but it was a. You were laboring on what the story was. The, well, that was it. And I feel like part of that laboring, and that's a good term because I, I, I hadn't really thought of the term labor. I mean, a lot of times people are like a labor of love, a labor. You know, no, it well, seems painful. Well, this is a, yeah. This is a <laughs> yeah. labor of I. I want to. You know, we often joke that this is our second child, and I'm like, I can't wait for this child to go to college and yeah. be gone. Like you know, but the um, when it came to the writing process on on Revelation, Show, there was a lot. Of, you know, one of the reasons why it took so long is one, it was not a full time. You know, this was not my full time yeah. thing. You know, especially with the move from. Murray to uh, to yeah. Northern and you know to be a, that was a that was actually I call that my mid midlife crisis. Yeah, um, I think you wrote but, something about. Oh that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a whole yeah. yeah. Well, like a Facebook note oh, or I'm something. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what. It but was. what I found myself what took so long with the writing process was um, the labor part of things was really looking at like every scene, the characters themselves dialogue that's being used and saying, okay, um, I've watched enough movies. I've read enough stories. I've lived enough situations. Is this how somebody would really talk or behave in this situation? And really kind of just going through constantly and saying like, okay, how would I respond? Or if I were this character, is this really how I, right. what I would say? Or am I in movie mode right now? Right. Because this is just cool for a movie. You know, so it was trying to always rein it back into something realistic. Um, and that's actually one of the things – we've been very happy with is people really everybody's referred to it as a really good character study yeah because that's i didn't write it with that in mind but that's kind of what it was you know it was totally um i found the whole thing to be um i think one of the things that i told you as i was reading it was that I, it needed to be less zombie mm-hmm. 
Like that was a, this was not a zombie film, even though there were zombies in it. Um, And that one of the issues that I have with that genre is that it becomes a default. Like whenever something's happening. And like, I love the Walking Dead books. I fucking hate the TV show. It's such a bullshit TV show where like every once in a while they just have to like, the fucking's not like, what does this make this scary? When the, the book is very, the author was very clear. I want to fuck with the sheriff. That's what he says in the opening one. This isn't a zombie film. Or this isn't a zombie yeah. book. I'm going to fuck with this guy. And I want to see what kinds of terrible things I can do to him. I, I can see that to an extent that you don't get that with the show as much. It's more like let's just kind of fuck with everybody. You know, like there's not a – and even then it's like um, – I don't know. I And see, I really like the show. Yeah. Now, that said – because it's shot like a movie. It's, it's yeah, beautiful. Well, it's, it's a it's, beautifully it's shot beautiful, show. And it, it is a well um, a well crafted. And I know some people have beef with like, oh, second season and you know, blah blah blah. I I've loved every bit of it and stuff. But it's because I have really dug the characters. Right. You know, again, I always go back to the character on things. And I've done I think they've done part of that is a testament to the the actors themselves, most definitely. Part of it's the director. I just think they've done a really good job with handling characters in this particular situation. Yeah. So, but um, that was the thing that I was like, as I when we were talking about it, what um, what I liked about the script was that it seemed to be about these two guys and all the discussions we had were like what mythological elements can go in here like mythological like the seven deadly sins like how can we layer this in to make the journey not we you how can you make that journey happen you know by using these sort of cultural touchstones like it wasn't okay when when is it going to be terrifying for the zombies to show up yeah, that was not a discussion. No, no, it, it wasn't. So, well, and, and you know, the other thing, right before this, you and I were talking about. Um, I, I think part of this goes back to to mythology and stuff. In a way, you and I were talking about right before this, uh, cowboys and aliens, and yeah. how you know Favreau was like, "Look, I made a western. We did a lot of research and a lot of viewing up westerns before we shot." Right. The same thing happened with Revelation Trail. We did not set out to make a zombie film, even from like the get go. My somebody that I was talking to was like, "Oh, let's make a zombie western." I'm like, "No, nah, let's make a western that just happens to have zombies." In. Right. Well, the western has a whole set of mythology and tropes and everything else that, that goes along with it. Yeah. That that's what we really wanted to pay a lot of uh, honor to mm-hmm. and everything else. So, and a lot of it was was looking up, researching the cornerstones and mythology of the western the man with no name and right. uh, what makes a good western right so, you know anyway that was a lot of what we brought into it from the the writing no and it was well. i mean that was the thing that i that i liked about it um you know that hack bullshit that i talk about is and like i'm not the protector of words but <laughs> you know like what is what i was telling ben winters um who wrote sense and sensibilities and sea monsters was that i never read fucking harry potter because i knew the author was not going to kill Hermione, and like very clearly that 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 series, at least the movie series, was like Hermione's great adventure with Harry as like the star, right? And like so, if Harry was ever really going to be awesome, he need like there needed to be a moment where like all his fucking scaffoldings are wiped away, and he has to stand up in the face of grave danger. And I was yeah. like, well, that shit's not going to happen. Yeah, like she that is very clearly her. Like she's not going to kill herself because that's generally not what authors do. Well, here I, I just saw today that apparently my Facebook feed has exploded with like Harry Potter's coming back. The new so maybe Harry that's Potter. what she's gonna do. It's just gonna be like in the first thirty seconds, Harry like you know accidentally 
sticks something in a light switch yeah. and then dies, it's, and that's it. Well, no, no, I needed Hermione yeah. to die. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I needed yeah. her to die yeah. because otherwise, Harry. I, like, I real like I, I, I get it. Like it, it's one of these. Like I don't want to, you know, turn into a fucking Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> but it, I, it, like it's great that like together we can solve problems. But like I'm a hero's journey guy. Yeah. Like I need there to be a moment where I need to think that person can die, not because somebody's fucking third brother got killed, but because one of the three just got wiped off the earth. And like Ron was a jokester, he should have died in fucking you know the second book, <laughs> you know, like, and and that was to to me Revelation Trail had that, um, not that there was a lot of death, but it had that that was like the specter behind it. The zombies were the specter behind that. That at any moment those people could get wiped. Well, and I, and I think that's what makes it. There's you know two things that I make I think make a good zombie. St- uh, zombie film, zombie story or whatever, one is that, yes, at any point, your characters... I mean, we know Preacher is not going to die, more than likely, um, you know, but we don't know about the other characters kind of surrounding him and stuff like that. Um, so I think that, that element... I don't think really, we do know that the Preacher's really? not going to die. Interesting. I thought what would have been a really interesting twist at the end, I, I was kind of expecting that to happen. Oh, shoot. I hope I didn't just spoil something for a bunch of people then, so... Oh, well. Uh, Why? I don't know. Um... Maybe, that would have been maybe, a Brad King like oh, unexpected okay, gotcha. okay. thing, right? Like, like th- there wasn't well, anything leading up to it other than like sometimes the hero does hopeless things, right? Sometimes it's the, that was, what I, okay. and so knowing you, I thought, I wonder if at any moment like they're going to be like, oh, by the uh, way, fucking you fail. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, um, what I was is going to say is that like, so I think that's a. a a great element of the zombie lore whenever, yeah, you don't know who will survive and who, I mean, you mentioned the Walking Dead comics earlier and stuff, and I, I will spoil nothing because I'm still, you know, I'm still reading through it myself, but it's like, there will be times where I'm like, holy shit, that person just died. Mm-hmm. Or, okay, whoa, and they didn't just die, they died. Yeah. Like, it was something bad, you know. So I think that works really well, but I also think a really good element of um, when you do something right with zombies, and I hope this showed through because you were talking about the specter element and stuff when it came to the script, is when zombies um, don't – zombies are not like, oh, there are zombies. It's the zombies actually are representative of something yeah. else. They are the backdrop that your characters are working yeah. against. You know, In our case with the Western, the zombies are the changing frontier. It's mm-hmm. it's not the telegraph lines coming in the Deadwood or the trains yeah. coming, you know, the transatlantic railway. It's here's the undead horde. Our way of life is now going to be gone. Yeah. You know, and so and then you get the death surrounding that and everything else. So. It's um yeah. And to, to me, that was I didn't even care about that. Mm, OK. I cared about it. See, that was more to me a, an internal character study of what. And I think we talked about this in the early part of your writing, like what they believe. This was a. How do I come to – that was why I expected the preacher to die because mm. it wasn't about stopping the zombies. It wasn't oh, about yeah, no. technology. It's yeah. about at the end of the day, what is the thing that drives me to action? And I have to find out what that is for my actions to matter. And then whatever happens is irrelevant to that. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And I should say, yeah, I mean definitely I don't I don't see the film as being like, a, you know, how do we stop the zombies yeah. or whatever. It's like they're they're happening no matter right. what. Like you're not going to stop it. As we I don't know why they started. Like yeah, it's not you like you don't give, Yeah, who cares? Zombies. You know, like, yeah, it's, that's all you need to know. They exist. That's it. Um, the uh, – but I always looked at it as it's a – kind of like we were saying. It's a, it's a film about a person finding new purpose or new sense yeah. of who they are in this. And that's what I mean by that changing frontier. Yeah. It's like the world is changing. These are – 
where is your new purpose? What is your right. new, you know, and some people um, might find that they have no purpose now or right. that what made them who they were before is irrelevant. Right. You know, and so, and okay, so now think about this way. You're now in a world where what you believe and what you stand for and everything else has no, re- like there's no reason for it anymore. Right. What do you do? I mean, do you, do you, do you have a sense of self now? Do you right. have a sense of who you are or, or do you just fade away? Do you die? And right. then when that happens, does Which anybody care? Is like know? the world that we live in, right? Yeah. Like everybody with technology talks about like the way everything is changing. And like, yeah. this is a, a consistent fear that people have. And, and I will say, so, the Revelation Trail, I know we're now 10 minutes into this, for people that don't know. I, I mean, I teased it in the intro, yeah. but, like, it is a um, – it's a full it's a full feature movie. It's a feature-length movie. But when you first – and I'll be honest. When you sent me the script, uh, I was like, yeah, this, this is never going to get made. Right? I mean, like, because people tell me all the time, like, the shit they're working on. And it was like, we got to raise $100,000 and, like, all the – you know, and you're just thinking, like, you just fucking moved to Northern Kentucky University. Like, that's not going to happen. But – what you did, you know, then you started talking about the transmedia elements mm-hmm. and, like, creating the website. And the first time that I thought it was actually going to happen was when I saw the webisodes because that was one of the first things I think that were – I think you had a trailer. We had shot the trailers, yeah. but the trailers hadn't really been put out yet. I like think you would – The web, the web yeah. series was the, actually, I think, the first thing that hit. Yeah. Or no, – I, I, think, I, think, I think a trailer existed. It was the, – the first trailer that hit was a zombie conversation. Yeah. It was that you. Was, it was him. It was the the preacher and a, and a zombie in a bear trap. Now, I went on to play that zombie. Oh, that feature, wasn't you. But that wasn't oh. me. That was actually my co-creator. This is one of those bullshit things where I'm like, that wasn't in oh, the yeah, movie. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. <laughs> it is funny because I look at those. I've actually got a behind-the-scenes thing I'm working on where I do those two scenes side-by-side because essentially that trailer – it was a scene from the script yeah. that you had read, but we had not shot the movie. We just right. shot bits and pieces right. of this movie. And so to look at them side by side, you see how things changed over That's three funny because in my head – because I was showing that trailer to people. In my head, that was you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've no, now transposed yeah. that completely. Exactly. So, so but, uh, the, you do this web series that is like 10 minutes – this series of minutes total, yeah. Each one's about a minute and a half. To but tell minutes. me, so te- like this is, and it's unrelated to the movie, other than it's in the world of the movie. Exactly, that's it. It exists in the world. Um, we have a couple of characters. Basically, we we had this full script written. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> well, the, actually, the influence for it was uh, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, uh-huh. um, the games. Is games yeah. very much so not the, the shitty movies? movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> the the games in that you would Resident Evil aren't shitty movies, but the Silent Hill movies. Well, are shitty. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> yeah. So occasionally in the game you would come across a journal or yeah. something like that. Yeah. It was always the creepiest fucking drawings yeah. and like those games were very atmospheric. Right. The web series we weren't going to shoot a feature or we weren't going to shoot a live action web series. Right. Everything we were going to do had to be very atmospheric when yeah. it came to the creepiness. And so it was this little girl's journal. And so this little girl, it kind of starts off happy, but there's elements of like – It didn't like, start well, off happy. It starts off, she's very much like, oh, my family, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But then like within the first episode, you see like her family gets blood splattered on it yeah. and they become skulls and there's lightning. and So you kind of get this – This is the John Gibson happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's also packaged in this fucking dark and menacing oh, website. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, so, so you don't go into this like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so what happened – was so we we produced this and actually the 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 writer on that um, was uh, who would later go on to be my director of photography Chaz Pingburn 
Uh, he wanted to be a comic writer. This was kind of the thing that he wanted to do. And, and I believe he had been in some of your classes. He was in like three was, or four of my yeah, classes. Yeah, he was all into this whole transmedia storytelling. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, we started and, talking about that in one of my classes, yeah. and that was just like he – I don't even know if he completed all my class. He was like one of those students that was like a he was a fucking terrible student, yeah. but like <laughs> grasped onto the things that he loved and like that was it. Like yeah. that was how he was going to do learning. Yeah. Well, and he and the things he went he went nuts. He ran with it because I basically yeah. said, "Hey, Chaz, there is this and I tell you, uh, there is this moment in the film where the marshal references a family. That's it. He we never see the family, and he references this family." You can do anything you want with those characters. Not just don't do anything that affects the movie itself. Yeah. And so he crafted up this whole web series about. So that came out of that discussion. Came out of that discussion. You know what's so? And it actually, if you watch the movie, we went back. The opening scene was never in the original script. We went back and added it because of the web series. We wanted to have this nice little. If we wanted to have this connecting piece, that it's like, okay, you could watch the movie, never know about the web series, and you're fine. And this was watch them both. Yeah, you now get. And this was a discussion that you were having. And so when I saw that get produced, I thought, okay, so this, so two things come out of that. One. At that was the moment too when I saw the web series when I was like, okay, this actually this may not suck because the sort of the joke that we had between and, and and John and I have told this story separately was that when he sent this script to me he said I'm not trying to make a B movie, Brad, and I said you don't get to fucking decide that right like you make the movie and then yeah. we'll tell you whether you've made a shitty B movie or not. And so I see this and it that web series took everything that you're not supposed to do in movies, right? Like you don't. You don't fuck with children, right? Like you don't, you don't fuck like with children. You don't fuck with dogs. Yeah, animals, like there's some shit yeah. you don't do, and like you get done with this nine minute thing, and like your entire soul was just completely <laughs> ripped out. I can't show it to my wife. She saw part of it and had to stop watching it because it is. But it's but it's a web. You're not. It's not the. It's Hitchcock, right? Like you don't see this shit happening. No, it is. This shit is just happening. It sound it re- it relies a lot more on the audience having oh. to put things together because you're you're essentially reading a diary. Yeah, but, but well, I say reading, but you know, you're you're hearing this little girl. It's narrating. like this little girl but is narrating the end of the you're world. Seeing, you're seeing bits and pieces of imagery, and that's it. You know, yeah, and, and what, so what's unfortunate awful. is if we had had more time. Yeah. I, you know, and we were all on board, but you know, it's just there's a lot going yeah. on and stuff. If we had had more time, the thing actually would have extended out another probably ten episodes. Well, you were would have gotten even more fucked up. Yeah, you were telling me that it was going to be a thing that you wanted to go, and then I was yeah. kind of shocked that it stopped, yeah. except for that, like well, you we, needed to build the fort. We, and... Yeah, and exactly. We and really, it was just a different point in the project. Yeah. We found a good stopping point, and we were like, you know what, this is good. It kind of creates this atmosphere. Let's keep this at this, yeah. and we can always revisit these characters later in a comic or something along those lines. You know, yeah, yeah. maybe it, we go back to the little girl when she's thirty years old. How has she now adapted to this world? Yeah. You know, no, so, she would not have. Hmm. <laughs> there is no way that she comes out of this as anything. We she's actually, either hit girl or she's. In the, we we would have uh, basically uh, what she would have become would have been this animalistic like fighter that's it like yeah she would because she would have like closed herself off from society yeah and that, no that's the only way that a human being comes out of that so that was when i i thought okay so you put together this webisode you got or this web series not a webisode you you have this script you shot this trailer and then the fucking chaos happens right so like now you now you're getting ready to figure out how to shoot a feature um and you're you studied history and communication, right? So you've not done this before. Yeah. 
We uh, <laughs> I, uh, everything I'd done was on my own, just kind of side project, short films. Yeah, so like, everything I'd done was short films. So you, when when you growing up, is that what you did? Like, did you shoot films around a your lot house? Of stop motion movies with my GI Joe figures, yeah. uh, clay things like that. And and my friends and I in high school made cheesy live action movies, but they were really shitty yeah. movies. Sorry, they're really shitty movies. So we would have things where. You know, like we'd be editing off of a VHS over the shoulder VHS camera. We'd be running that into another deck with like a CD player, right. and there's like glitches in it. But the thing was, I kind of kept doing that over and over right. and over again. And, you know, practice eventually makes mediocre, is right. the way I look at it. And so I started doing more of these short films with other people who knew more than I did in college. Right. And so eventually we get around to, you know, and, and I'd done some things a little bit more professionally since then, but I'd never tackled a feature. And so you're right. The, the fucking chaos begins <laughs> whenever it's like, okay, let's make a feature. And like you said, we're shooting around. Oh, yeah, it's going to be $100,000. Let's use $100,000. Right. Where the hell are we getting right. 100000 And we're not going to get that. You right. Know? And so it, it really became a matter of, okay, do we still want to do this? Okay, well, then we've got to do it. With but at this point had. you have like – how many people that are invested in this? I think we started getting – it was the reason why I had to keep going was because of the momentum that had already built. <laughs> right. Up. People saw these trailers that we shot. You told people you're going to make a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you can't. Oh, yeah. And, well, and here's the thing. In the back of my mind, through the entire stage of the process, I think this was the case until I saw the first edit. The entire stage of the process, the back of my mind was, if you don't do this, you fail. Like, if I don't do this, yeah. I am now that person who's been saying for six years, seven years, I'm making a movie. Right. Well, where's your movie? Well, right. uh, Yeah, you, know, you go from being the dick that talked about a movie to the dick that didn't make a movie. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> no, that's what it was. You know? Instead of, like, now you're like, John Gibson made a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, and, that's, and, and, and I've told several people, I'm like, this process changed me for that exact reason. Yeah. Like, uh, I now feel like when I say I am a filmmaker, I feel like I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. You know? and, and that's not to put down anything I'd done up to this point, but it was that hurdle. It yeah. was that, you know, that major, like, okay, right. you get over this. Now I can say I'm yeah. a director. I'm a producer. This I'm is the writing thing that I get to, right? Like, people that say, like, oh, I'm a writer. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I've written a couple books. Like, I've made my, you know, I've worked in magazines. Like, I, I, I wrote both for a living and at because of thing and you wanting to write a book and having a blog i get it i love it i want you to do it yeah. but i feel like that's not the same thing well and i think too it's funny as you say the writer um i wrote the script but i still wouldn't consider myself a writer you know and i'll tell people like i have writing experience i am a, I, I've, I've done some screenwriting stuff but for me like that that's a hurdle that I'm still not. No, you know, you're I'm, I mean, you're here because you wrote that movie. I know, well, and that's true. But I, I don't give a shit about the actual I know, film. I, know, <laughs> I, I lean more towards. It's funny as where my hurt, where where I kind of say what I am and stuff. I can clearly say I'm a director, right? Or, uh, well, I, I try not to say I'm a producer because I hate producing. I'm right. never producing again. But I'll direct again. Like I, I that's where I found myself. Yeah. Like that's where I say like this is what I am. Sure. You know, the writer part. I'm still trying to. You know, I'm still trying to get into that. Like, I think for me, I think it's once I write my next script. Yeah. Even though I've written other scripts and I've written this feature, I think once I write my next script. Yeah. To prove to yourself I'll, it wasn't an accident. That's it. And the, and I think that's the reason. But why you I'm don't need to shoot a second film to prove that that wasn't <laughs> I, an accident. I know. And yeah. And it's and the thing is, like, I don't know. <laughs> that's some crazy know. damage. What the fuck? Where did that come from? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, th it just that's just how I kind of feel. You know, that I'm like, I need to have that other. 
I need to have another project. I need to yeah. have another. And maybe it's just that drive. Maybe it's just that, you know, like. Yeah. But the, also the writing for you is the beginning part of the directing process, it is. It right? Is. Like as a, as it's I'm not the writing, end result. And maybe that's another reason why. It's like when I'm writing, I'm writing thinking like a director. Right. And so maybe that's, a, you know, oh, yeah, I mean, if I were just a screenwriter, then, well, yeah, then I think I would be like, okay, I am a writer. Yeah. If that makes sense. But it's like I'm, I'm always stuck in that directing mode. Right. Like even when I'm writing something that I might not direct, which I think I've only had once or twice, and that's with shorts. I still tend to be thinking like that director while right. I'm writing it and, and, and everything else. And so, yeah, I, I like the way you phrase that, that it's like the writing part isn't the end goal for me. Right. It's the directing is the end goal. Which is know? interesting because, like, I've never opened – unless I've had to reference something, um, and, and even then mostly I go to the digital piles that I have, I, I've never opened the books that I've written. Like when they show up, I'm I'm fucking done with them. I don't – there's <laughs> nothing in between those covers that brings me any joy whatsoever. I don't want to go to a reading. I didn't want to promote them. I don't give a shit because the process of writing is what's valuable to me. And ultimately how the audience experiences that is irrelevant to me. Which is funny because as a director and as a filmmaker, it's how does the audience experience, you know, I thrive off of that with mixed feelings sometimes, although it's gotten a lot better, but I thrive off of that setting in a theater with an audience Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, where's the audience going to laugh? Okay. Are they laughing at that spot that I wrote? Okay, good. Because that means, because that means we shot that. I I directed that in such a way that the audience, I, when writing it, I was hoping the audience would laugh at this. Yeah. When I directed it, the audience laughed at this. Yeah. But you don't care how they experienced it. You care. Did you get the thing right? Yeah. To an extent. Well, I think part of it, I I mean, you want them to enjoy it, but if they don't, yeah. Well, Are you going to say it was a failure? No, not necessarily. I mean, I, and that's where, you know, I, I know I've run into some people who just didn't like the movie. They didn't care for it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, that's, hey, there's movies that people love right. that I didn't care for, or, and vice versa, right. you know. But, um, do you engage them? Do you sit down and say, like, what was it? Are you- well, it depends. I mean, if it's somebody, if it's like a blog, which I've only run into like one or two like reviewers or blogs that really didn't like the movie, and I don't yeah. really engage. I look at what they write, yeah. and I'm like, okay, all right, cool, you know, whatever. Yeah. But sometimes whenever I – if it's one particular thing, because I know you, and I won't spoil anything, I know you had some uh, – a gripe – not a gripe, but you had one thing in the movie. You were like, man, I had one question about this, or this didn't make sense. What it had was, to do with the... somebody's death. I don't want to I don't want to say too much okay. more. Where I'm going with this is after the screening here at NKU, uh-huh. and I remember you sent me your feedback, and you were like, you know what? I liked everything. Oh, I didn't for- write it. I didn't write that in public. I sent it to you. Yeah, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, exactly. This has always been this kind yeah. of one-on-one, you know, and you sent me this message, and you were like, this was the one thing that I just wasn't really buying, yeah. you know? And I remember it because I think when talking to you, I was just kind of like, yeah, well, but that's this is why I did that, yeah. you know, or whatever. You yeah. know, and that's my engagement. Yeah. Like, so that's a good thought. However, as a writer yeah. and director – Here's where I was coming from. Well, you know, and so there's that kind of engagement. And most of the time, like, you know, I was telling, uh, whenever I talk, like, I, I sort of a theme that has run through all my conversations with people is like, when I watch something, I don't watch it to enjoy it. Like, I watch it to figure out what the writer was trying to do. Okay. And so if I look, like, I knew Hermione wasn't going to die because I knew she couldn't pull the trick. Not that I know J.K. Rowling, but like, <laughs> if I ever talked to her, I'd be like, okay, so like, why didn't that happen? Like, what was it that possessed you to not want to do that? Uh, I don't like that choice, but it's a choice. It, that was a choice that she made. And so my judgment or my evaluation of the writing can't be, I didn't like that. It has to be, did the choice they make work for the story they were trying to tell? And I think those are, those are, so whenever I read or look at something, I always try to get myself out of there 
and and stop saying, here's what I think, and go, okay, this seemed to be what they were trying to do. And then whatever happened here didn't seem to fit that, and I couldn't yeah. rectify why that happened. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think when I've if I've read a review before and somebody brings up something like that, then I'm like, okay, this actually, you know what? I don't exactly agree as a writer. I don't exactly agree with what they're saying because right. here's what I was going for. But I see where you're going with it. It's like or, a thoughtful or, review. Yeah, or sometimes I'm like, or sometimes I'm like, you know what? You're pointing out some things that I completely agree with that yeah. I think didn't work as well because yeah. they just weren't executed properly right. as a storyteller or whatever. Right. But then you know you read another review and people are just like, oh, I didn't like this. Well, and I'm like, okay, well, you just. Yeah, you I fucking just, don't care. You just didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and, and that's okay, you know, right. but I don't take that to, It's not something I really think a lot about because you just didn't like it. Well, you know, and, and if that makes sense. Because you're, you're not necessarily – I don't know. I don't know how to quite put that. I'm sure I sound like a pretentious dick. No, no, but, you know, I mean, if like, you do yeah, – I mean, well, I am, but like – That's the name of the show, right? Pretentious yeah, pretentious dick. dick. Okay, yeah, right. it's uh, – it's it, it, to me, I'm far more interested in that conversation as a writer. Like, I, it, it is um, – why – you know, when I write, just when I engage with writers, like I did, I'm, I'm interested in discussing why things happened and unfolded the way that they did and what was the motivation for the choices, and particularly if I don't understand the choice. Mm-hmm. That to me is just that's that's why I don't, you know, like I can, I, I can like a movie that I didn't like. Right, because yeah. it's I didn't enjoy the movie, but I saw what the writer was trying to do or the director was trying to do, and they pulled that off, and I'm like, well, shit, that's the thing that they set yeah. out to do, right? Like, as a storyteller, that I just want you to do the thing you want to do, mm-hmm. not fucking test it on me and see how many people can I get to like these different scenes. Yeah, Michael Bay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, where, where are you going? Who are you going to comment? No. Um, well, I think something that's funny, too, or, or interesting, not so much funny, is that um, – you're talking about the to backtrack a couple of lines, if that's okay. We're talking about the writing, directing mm-hmm. aspect of things, um, and there's something a, a colleague of mine brought up, uh, Chris Strobel, uh, to name drop here. Mm-hmm. And he said that, and this was the first time I'd ever heard this. He said a film, if you're doing a write, a film will go through three births. There's the writing yeah. stage, there's the producing stage, then there's the editing yeah. stage. And I think that was something really interesting to approach it from a writing standpoint too, because I, I I've actually for Kickstarter I've been printing out. Uh, some scripts for certain people and yeah. stuff like that. That's the first time I've ever gone back and looked at some of the words on the page in the last, I mean, since we shot. Right. You know, and just to see how things changed in places. Did you ever go back to the script and actually sync it directly to what was said in the movie? Um, you mean like after, yeah. after we had done Like, oh, no, yeah, this isn't what was no, said. No, I haven't, actually. And, <laughs> I, and that might be something where I need to just sit down with the script sometime and just kind of see, like, how we're even subtle things where, yeah. like, a couple of words changed. But right. how did the couple of words that I had written on the page change to what the actor said and yeah. which one do i like more you know obviously i like the actors more but why do i like that more right. than what i wrote you know? well and it would have depended too right like if i'd have been the actor and said it it may not have come out like yeah you know uh that was the one thing uh daniel yeah um both of them were daniels but you know but the daniel, but the preacher, preacher yeah he was fucking great he was um, fucking great yeah. he made the movie he made the movie not that the i mean i read the script so i also yeah. liked the script but like his ability to um, – you could see wheels turning. Things that he wasn't saying you could yeah. see in his character that I don't know if that came out in lots of the other – like he was very clear, I think very clearly, the best actor in the film. 
it's funny. It is funny how what people gravitate towards is the best, you know. Yeah. And like, I, I think we had several strong, but you're one of the most vocal as far as yeah. Daniel is the best. You know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people actually like the Marshall character more. Oh, not, really? Not to interrupt you, but yeah. the, more. And I think as a as a writer and a director, the reason why. I mean, I think both Daniels yeah. are great. I think they're all fantastic. Yeah, yeah they they wasn't they weren't bad. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've talked to Daniel younger Daniel preacher about this before I said I think more people like the Marshall character because he's the every man character to me at least he is the one who if there's a moment of levity in the movie yeah. which not there's no like there's right. no like ha 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 but right. if there is a moment where we have a little bit more comfort it comes from him yeah if we have you know he's the older one he is the the wiser character preacher is more of the um not to say that he's a, a constantly brooding, because that's definitely not the case. But I feel that more people can relate to the marshal as a what he's going through than maybe the preacher. I don't know if I'm maybe not explaining this, but that is one of the things where I found with people because a lot of people are like my favorite yeah. character is the marshal. I like the marshal. I like the marshal, and, and that's what I think at least. It is definitely a. Um... I think that I liked the the film was about the preacher. To me, the oh, yeah, film was about the preacher, is, right? Like, and so everything else sort of swirled around him. So, like, yeah, like he was the everyman and all that kind of stuff. But like, I just like the it was the cerebral nature of what he did mm-hmm. um, that made. Otherwise, it was just a film of like, well, fuck zombies, you know, like that. <laughs> I wish that could be my tag. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, yeah. if it was just the sheriff, it was like, well, no, well no, fuck zombies. I think like, that's, but I think that's the thing is you mentioned the cerebral nature. Um, and again, I don't know. I mean, this isn't a spoiler. You see it in the trailer. Yeah. The preacher goes around and buries the dead, yeah. which is the stupidest. I'm sorry. It's the yeah. stupidest thing. And I even told like Daniel and I even talked about this. They're like, this is the most absurd thing you could do. But for the preacher. It makes perfect sense. Total. And it's he's it the doctor in Firefly. It is. It's and it makes and he's obsessed <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. He will sacrifice his own safety yeah. to get this done. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it makes I think that's the reason why when we get to the Marshall character, the Marshall character sees the absurdity in yeah. this. But at the same time he sees the purpose in it. Right. And I think that's why I mean like the everyman part. It's like I think we as an audience I mean religious people do fucking yeah. weird things yeah, exactly. because it is ritual. Yeah. And the thing is it's like, you know, with everything that the, the preacher's gone through, he can't go around and just be like, I'm just gonna kill these motherfuckers and right. then leave because one, it doesn't fit as a character, but right. two, in real life, that's not what he would do. Like, you know, I've actually had several uh, preachers who have, uh, and ministers who've seen the movie, and they're just like, "Yeah, you guys did a really good job with that character." Yeah. You know, they're like, "That's he's believable. Right. He's not the gun-toting, blow everything away." It's like right. this very human faith kind of person, right. you know. And right? No, it's not a, a faith-based movie. No, not at all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. like not at all. Yeah. But that was why I think I liked him because it was. I mean, I am not a faith-based person yeah. either, and so um, it seemed very real to me. <laughs> I mean, it was sort of like. Uh, there's this moment in in uh, Firefly where What's Firefly. Josh, no, I, oh, I was I like, holy shit! Like we're surrounded I, I, by. I know. I want to see if I can make your head. Yeah, we're surrounded by like Star Wars toys <laughs> and shit in here. Uh, and um, uh, the the uh, now I'm forgetting her name. The mechanic girl. Oh, Kaylee. Kaylee's talking yeah. to the doctor, and she's like, "Why do you keep all these?" 
airs out here in space. And she's like, it's not important. And he said, it is most important here. When all society has broken us apart, the only thing that makes us human is the continuation of the things, the airs that we had mm -hmm. on Earth. I completely forgot about that moment, but I, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, this is a, as I, I, I went home that night uh, after we saw the film and, and, and the audience and, and told my wife, I'm like, oh, shit, like, this is like, he's like the doctor in Firefly. Well, and the thing is, um, not that you stole this. No, you no. you did your shit. I think before Firefly. Well, no, actually. Well, the thing is, though, Firefly um, became a. Uh, there's actually an homage or two uh, to yeah. Firefly and Whedon in general in the movie. I won't say what they are. I just want to see if like people catch yeah. us at some point. Other than but, there's a western that has some. Yeah, you know, <laughs> other than the obvious yeah. one. There's actually there's a moment where a character says something. There's a there's an homage to Aliens and there's an homage to mm -hmm. Firefly in there, and if it's something with the dialogue and stuff, but. What I was going to say, though, is I, I found myself – Firefly, from a character standpoint, was, was a brilliant show. It was a brilliant show on many levels. Yeah. But I found myself, even when writing, just thinking like, okay, what works really well with a show like Firefly? Right. Why does it work? And it's – I mean it's character – like Mal. Look at right. like some of the, the wisdom that Mal – Right. You know, one of my favorite moments is whenever he's talking to Jane. This suddenly turns into a fire. This is okay. Right. We just talk about fire. <laughs> right. Well, I spent yeah. 10 minutes on Harry Potter. Yeah, so okay. This is better. So, but a moment, you know, the, the moments for me in a movie or a TV show that stand out are like these very intimate kind of moments. Like the thing that you the, – the line of dialogue you just had with uh, Kaylee and the doctor. Yeah. For me, there's a scene where Mal is talking to Jane, and they're talking about statues. And yeah. Mal and Jane, it's uh, this is where Jane, this is Jane's town, yeah. yeah. And, and Jane's just like, you know, why they, why they have a statue? You know, he's all down. Yeah. He's like, you know, those, I'm, I'm an asshole basically. Yeah. And those guys built a statue around me. He's right. having this moment of self doubt or whatever. Yeah. And Mal is basically just like, I oh, look, I reckon every son of a bitch that ever had, or every right. person that had a statue built was a son of a bitch in some way or another. Right. And you're like. Damn it, that's true. Right. I guarantee you George Washington was an asshole right. at some point. You know, and also whatever. statues and, aren't about the person. Yeah, yeah, it's about the people yeah, who built yeah, it, right? Like, yeah, and so I find little moments yeah. like that where I'm just like, I want to write that. Yeah. I want my scripts. I don't care if I'm writing a comedy or if I'm writing a horror or yeah. a western or whatever. It, I, it, the whole movie doesn't need to be that way, but I want to find those moments right. as a writer. And then hopefully as a director, if I've got the right actors, which I think we did, you know, yeah. if I've got the right actors, that moment plays off so beautifully on the screen. Well, you know, and the, when we, we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I still haven't seen it yet. Which, I, I mean, I it's, want to, but. it's like, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it is great for what it is. Mm -hmm. But the whole time I was watching it, I just thought like, oh, Chris Pr Pratt is playing Mal. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like the sort of the yeah. funny anti-hero captain guy. Yeah. Like, at this point, I think Joss Whedon has written that particular kind of part, that sort of um – you know, he's sort of the sheriff in your in your in the marshal. Like, he's sort of like, fuck zombies, but also yeah. like, you know – Little something good, little something bad. Yeah. You know, like we got to go and just do what we got to do. Do you think now? Here's where I'm. You know, I, I'm. I probably need to be schooled a little bit more on science fiction and you know all this stuff. But do you think that that character that Whedon created in Mal um, is going to become like a new archetype in genre? You know, like the uh, what is it? Not really like that kind of sarcastic captain yeah. leader figure that you know the ragtag group. Because I mean. You know, I know some people are always comparing like Han Solo and Mal, but I, I think yeah. there's some elements that. But there's also, you know, Han isn't leading this kind of group of right, and we never see know. Han do anything bad. Let's be honest. 
like they've removed the one thing that he did bad, right? Like fucking yeah. Han shot first, and now Han hasn't shot well, first. Well, up to that point, the only you, you hear, uh, you know, there's also like you know references to a bad pass. They talk about yeah. it, but yeah. you never see. Or it. there's like you know you also see him where he's like, all right, fuck you guys, I'm out of here. Right before Battle of Yavin, but then, ah, but not really, in. right? Yeah, come back in and you know do this little thing right, right here, and you know as John holds up a prop that no yeah. one can see. But, um, <laughs> it so, is literally a Star Wars and Transformer like toy. <laughs> Haven here. So, um, but yeah, no, he's I, an adult. I, I'm just curious, you know, if you think that's something I, actually, we're gonna. No, I mean, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, and I it's an archetype that exists already. Okay. Um, I think the problem is that Whedon wrote it so well, right? Like Mal really isn't a funny character. Mal is actually a really fucking sad, oh, tragic, oh, yeah. like that. Whatever he's humor, the guy co- who had hope. Yeah, and now it's gone. Yeah, like, he, he's the worst kind of optimist, the kind that like has seen pragmatism, right? Yeah, and so he's really fucking sad. And I think most of the writers that write things don't they lose the the melancholy? Like your film is, I think that I told you, like it's a melancholy film. Well, that's what. Yeah, we had. What's funny is we had somebody. One of my favorite reviews um, was when somebody said in the review they were like, "This is one of the most." depressing movies I've seen. I forgot what word they used. They used something even better than depressing. I wish I could remember what it was now, but they were like, it's one of those uh, depressing movies I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And I'd never thought about it that way before. Really? Well, no, I mean, there are there are elements to that. Oh, it's you know? a fucking sad movie. Well, then I went back, <laughs> but then when I went back and really thought about it, I'm like, holy shit, they're right. Yeah. You know, and I see, and, and you're, it's funny you mentioned Mal and the Marshal. Yeah. I see elements of that kind of character definitely in the Marshal. You know, it's like, oh, he's, oh, I really like this. Yeah. Like, the lines, but man, when you when you watch the movie and you get his backstory, you're just kind of like, damn it, that sucks, man. Yeah, I'm sorry that this is what kind of life you've lived. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, no, there's so, nothing that is. Um, no, it's a sad movie, but it's not a scary movie. Yeah, like, at no, no, no point was I scared. No. But the whole time – and I actually thought that, uh, if I'm brutally honest, I would have said that you didn't delve into the sadness enough. I could see that. You know, that mm-hmm. to me – but again, that's Brad's, like, the, the thing that I like. Yeah. Because it was a character film, because I saw the preacher as – the sort of central cerebral part of the story and his story was so important. What I really wanted to see was the martial shit get peeled back, really, really mm-hmm. fucking peeled back so that you, what you have are these two really complex, sad people who are at the fucking precipice of the universe looking into a hole and just going, okay, yeah. you know, like Butch and Sundance, like, here we go. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was that, but that's me. That's yeah, not. Well, the, and that was something that we. I think we. I tried to do, but I even agree is right. I think I could have done more. Yeah. You know where where I really looked at it when it came to the film. There's two arcs. There's two stories. Yeah. There's the preacher and there's the marshal. Yeah. That's it. And they both reach a point where, and, and thankfully it's because of our undead fellows and stuff, where it's like, okay, your old life, like that. You know, here's the way it is now. Right. What do you do? Right. You know, like where where are you going to go now? And and it's it's actually kind of it's it's sad for both of them, but I think it's even sadder for the marshal yeah. because it's just like you're. I mean, I'm, and I'm I mean, no offense to the actor stuff. It's like you're old. You're right. You're kind of done. Right. Your your world is gone. Right. What happens to you now? Right. You know. And I, and I was very satisfied with how we. It was funny how things as a, when writing it, how it kind of organically evolved with him. Yeah. Because I didn't quite know where it was going to end. Yeah. Them. But 
it, it's as a writer, I'm writing it, and and I and I didn't do a treatment first. I yeah. started just writing. Yeah, because like, what you sent me was like a. Yeah. I mean, it was dialogue the thing. Yeah, like you know, dialogue is just like what am I hearing in my head as these conversations are yeah. happening? So you know, the preacher. You know, what happens to the marshal was this very organic. Like I felt like he was revealing himself to me. Yeah. As I was writing the script. Yeah. The preacher, I had an idea of where he was going to go. I knew yeah. kind of what the final scene would be and stuff like that. But it's also easy to like, strip away religion, right? Because yeah. that carries in our society such a people that struggle with that like there is a built-in sort of sadness that people understand whereas the marshals was based in something completely different right and so um and we never wanted to come off as like the marshal and i'm glad we did but we never wanted to come off as you know because i always say like it's a preacher and a a lawman i never wanted to come off as like this guy is super religious this guy hates religion like it was just very you know and that's one of those things where it's like I, I found that to be good too. I mean, there's a moment or two where they do talk about yeah, but there's that's not, not a thing. Not, no, they don't just sit around and say, "Let's talk about God." Yeah, or, you yeah. know, whatever. No, no, and because the preacher, they're staring at the precipice of the end exactly. of the universe. And the preacher never sits around and tries to say, "Like, let's talk about right. God." It's it's very much like these guys respect each other. Right. They know, but that's it. Right. You know, that's that. It's not part of the story. It's, it's not actually story. not part of the story. It's not so. Um, but yeah, that was the one thing that I thought. I thought that would have. Um, it was melancholy, but it it wasn't as I didn't feel like I knew the marshal as well as I knew the preacher, mm-hmm. and maybe that's because of, of of the weight that comes with religion yeah. and like so you can fill in gaps that aren't there, right? Because I grew up religious, so I yeah. sort of know the things that those kinds of people think and talk about. Yeah, um, I don't need to see it on the screen. Um, whereas he was an individual, right? Like he didn't really have that. There's not like a marshal trope. Yeah, you know where you're like, oh, he came from. You know. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. Yeah, no. There's not a martial trope, but it is funny. We get a lot of people who are like, yeah, he had a very Jeff Bridges quality to him. You know, they always talk about the, the act. Like, Jeff Bridges from True Grit. You know, or yeah. something like, like that kind of gruff, no. like, you know. That's wrong. They're yeah. wrong. Yeah, that's not right. You no, know, but I mean, I've, I've had where people have seen that. They've made comparisons to other characters, like yeah. you know, lawman characters in Westerns and stuff. I'm like, okay, I can see that. You know, that I, you know this element. Yeah, I don't, but anyway, see, I don't see the True Grit thing yeah. at all. I feel like they didn't watch the movie when they said that. I I, I think I could see a little bit of Brewster. More from, like, probably more of the physicality of things, that gruff kind of aspect. But not maybe not so much the character. Even though Rooster Cogburn, though, I mean, again, I'm talking modern True Grit, not the remake. uh, Or not the original, but, like, I guess I kind of felt watching even the remake that Rooster Cogburn was kind of this character who was on the end. You know, you've got like Matt oh, yeah. Ranger character, whatever he was, is like the Rooster Cogburn right. in the book is not. And see, I've never read the book. You know, but, yeah, he's, he's like, not a hero well, kind of person. Yeah, you know, and, and so I guess the thing is like you know I see it more as like the maybe they're not the same character, but they're they both represent this person who's kind of on the end yeah. of their arc yeah they're on their end end of what you know 30 years before sure. you know anyway i thought it when you had a nice little butch casting in the sundance ending uh have you seen butch butch and, I, it's actually in my queue you've never no, seen butch casting in the sundance you know kid there are so many here's the thing i, I tell my i story, can't you can't tell me not to spoil a movie that's no, 45 well, years no, old right? no, i mean i have it just out you know. but it's one of the things i was uh here's the thing 
Fun fact, I will make fun of my students for not seeing Ghostbusters, and I'll be like, you're a communist or right. whatever. You know? But then you can turn around and be like, hey, have you seen that movie? I'm like, uh, no, and I'm like worse than a communist. It's really am, funny you know, because you're going to see the end of that movie if you've never seen it and be like, holy shit, yeah. I totally just made the end of that movie. <laughs> like, it's the fu- I thought it was an homage to Butch and Sunday. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's, That's it's really funny. funny. Yeah. But, well, here's the thing. That illustrates the whole, like, there's no new ideas. under. I mean, we're sure. storytellers as people, sure. you know, and so we – these kinds of things, yeah. like you know, when well, that's no, such an iconic yeah. ending to the movie, too. Yeah, no, I have a like I said, it's it's on my queue, and I'm like, I need to watch. There's a couple things on my queue that I'm like, gotta watch that, gotta watch that. I need to get educated. So here's what I want to do. We sure. got about ten or fifteen okay. minutes left, so uh, I want to go back. So um, you're making super rates. You're doing stop uh, stop motion. Stop motion. You go to college. Do you make stuff in college? I do, actually. Uh, so you continue. You find some people, and you're making. I found people that, and actually, my lead actor Daniel uh, was a friend of mine from college. You know. Oh, so that's I, how you met him. Oh yeah, yeah. He he came out to because he lives in L.A. Right? Yeah, he's out in L.A. now, but he went to Murray State as well. Yeah. Um, is that did Rob go there? Uh, no, Rob uh, went to Eastern. Yeah, he went uh, Lexington, uh, UK, I think, okay. and stuff. I, uh, I Rob Brickin, um, Brickin yeah. from Iron Iron Nine. Um, Iron Yeah. Yeah. Used to be topless robot, and, yeah. Uh, which always explaining that to people, like, why is there topless robot in your browser? It's like it's a nerd yeah, yeah. idea. So anyway, uh, no um, animation. Yeah, the um, no, and that's it. I I went to when I went to school. I it was I told you earlier at the very beginning of this dumb chance is how yeah. I kind of my roommate and I. My roommate was pre med. Yeah. Uh, my best friend from school, but he was also our high school. He was also somebody that I made stupid stop motion movies yeah. with. But we went to school, had no intention of doing anything other than occasionally our stupid movies. Yeah. Uh, we're sitting in a room. He's playing Tie Fighter on computer. I have to say this just to show how dated and nerdy we were. It's like you know, he's playing that. I'm doing whatever. And somebody, we're, we've got closed doors because we're still kind of like not socializing with people because we're still getting used to things. Somebody slides something underneath our door, and it's a, a, a flyer for a poster sale on campus. Mm-hmm. We immediately open the door because we're like, what just happened? You know, because right. we didn't look at it immediately. And it's the surfer-looking guy with bleached blonde hair and, you know, whatever. A surfer, skateboarder-looking guy that's so cliche-sounding to me. But anyway, long story short, his name's Chris Schweitzer. He comes in. He sees that we have these Star Wars cup toppers in our office, in our, our dorm. He's like, oh, dude, those are great, blah, blah, blah. And then we start talking about this and this and this. Come to find out he's really into making movies as well. And he's like, hey, a bunch of us are going to be forming a film club. <laughs> we have an interest. We decide to join that film club. Those are the people that I start making movies with. Yeah. Had had he had I not opened the door whenever he slid that under there, or had he just not slid it right. under there? Again, would have never joined that film club, or you know, and and, and little things like that kind of happen right. along the way. That we just kept making these movies, and we started showing them for audience. But you didn't study it. You didn't study no. writing. Like you just yeah, sat down I just and did it. just started doing it. And this gets to the. We were talking about this in the hallway as we were going to get mm-hmm. coffee. Uh, the sort of MFA versus just doing it thing. And you know, at, I'm, we both we're both professors, right? We yeah. we clearly teach children that want to do this. <laughs> and I always tell kids, like, you have to make a choice. Like, if you're going to tell me you don't need to be here, then you need to go fucking make something, or you need to make something here while you're learning some classic structures. You're going to learn the same thing either way. It will be different pathways to that learning. But if you just say I don't need college and then don't go do it, like. It's not helps like that's not going to make you a filmmaker. It's not going to make you a writer. Like you need to find people. 
You need to find collaborators. You need to fucking figure out your voice, and then you need to do shit. Well, and you need to <laughs> learn from those other people along the way, right. whether it's like the, your collaborators, like right. fellow students, or your teacher. Like right. There's, I mean, there's a reason why you're in front of that right. class, Brad. There's a reason why I'm up. Right. You know, and it's it's not just that like we had a degree. It's like you do shit. Right. You know? And learn from those people, right? You know, um, and I'm sure in your case, you've worked with students a lot on projects. You know, yeah. I mean, my, we I, we pick too. out students and we write books yeah, every year. Like, the thing. It's like you, we you make know, stuff. Yeah, and, and I, I tell my students now, I'm like, look, guys, I, I'm working on a sequel. Yeah, but you got to prove yourself for it. you know, like right. you got to show. You don't get to be on my project because yeah. you're a student. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. And I would get students who are like, oh, I want to work on your next project. I'm like. That's great. Right. Show me that you want right. to do that, you know. Right. And, and we'll see. So. Well, I'm hoping because you and I had talked originally about doing an anime with uh, – so what, you probably don't remember this. Uh, yeah, when you gave me the script, I was like, oh, I want to fucking be in this. And I was going to show up in my black duster with a samurai sword. And I was just going to be a fucking character in the yeah. back. And I'm like, and then we need to make like a thing. I totally still want to do that. Uh, well, see, here's the thing, though. What about Michonne from The Walking Dead, though? Are we now kind of like, oh, Mich they did it with, oh, Michonne from The Walking Dead has a samurai sword. Well, there's sword. always a fucking samurai sword in zombies, know, right? You like, know how people are. They're like, you hey, fucking copy it, you know? Yeah. Even though I'm like, dude, I think your samurai would be. Mine would be like a cowboy he's, samurai. He's cool, yeah, he's got a, a cool backstory. To My, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, mine is very clearly like a, um, yeah, a fucking cowboy samurai. <laughs> Like, that was, like, just, like... It's actually the title of it, right? Yeah, like, right, Cowboy, Cowboy Samurai. Samurai. How <laughs> amazing would that be, right? Like, yeah. uh, um, you know, it, like, it, it is an interesting concept that um, students don't... And I think even young writers and even writers that I've talked to, like um, Ben, who did, you know, the Sense and Sensibilities and Sea Monsters, has no writing group. He's never had a writing group. He just writes, and that's what he does. Um, I've never not had one. I, I don't even – I can't even imagine doing it alone. And I've not had a group, but I've had a partner. And right. I think having a partner helps a lot too. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and so I'll get, you know, students who are talking to me about writing. And they're like, so did, did you just write it yourself? I'm like, well, no, I, I wrote it. Right. I mean, I, I wrote – but I had a partner. Daniel yeah. was the partner. We would kick drafts back and forth. Right. And we would – and that's how we work through things. Right. Like – I might get stuck on a scene, and I'm like, God, I don't know. It doesn't make sense that these characters would do this. Daniel takes a crack at it. He's like, what about this? Right. I'm like, that's it. Right. Preacher's dialogue. I would write something, and Daniel's like, I don't think this is really what he would say. Right. You know, let's trim these five lines down to three. Right. And I'm like, that's it. Right. That's the way to go. Right. You know, collaboration. You yeah. Gotta, I, think, I think that's key, whether it's writing, directing, whatever. You know, yeah. You've got to have that. It's interesting because uh, sometimes I do, but now I'm writing this Appalachia book, and, like, it's not – I don't really give a fuck what anybody has to say about it. Like, you know, I, I have my writers that I give it to, and, like, they give me feedback, and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's really interesting, and, like, yeah. maybe I need to try that. But so much of the collaboration that I've done is just how you said, which is I don't want you to tell me what I should do. Like, write it. Let me see what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, as a writer, you explaining something to me, we've now introduced a level of complexity into the process. Well, and I think, too, with the with the writing, and in, in, in the case of uh, Sophia Appalachia, um, you get feedback from people. You see what sticks and what doesn't stick. Yeah. You're like, yeah, actually, I, I, I kind of like that. Okay. I, yeah. Or, you know, whatever, however you want to use it. Or you're just like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and you and you move on, you know. Um, Most of it I don't what, pay attention yeah, to. Yeah, no, well, that's what, I mean, I found my, that myself with, with writing sometimes. And I'm just like, okay, which, and I'll tell students the same thing when it comes to, like, students will get feedback on a project from me, yeah. Sarah, you know, or three other people. Yeah. And I just tell the students, I'm like, look, 
you have to kind of take a synthesis of all this. Yeah. And also, some of it will be good feedback. It's what we would do. Right. Some of it is, you know, you're just like, look, that's cool, but I want to do it this way right. because I'm the storyteller. And, like, my it. writing partner, John, who we did the book, you know, the the, the game book with, um, his feedback is always invaluable because he's like, okay, here's what, here's what I see you're trying to do. Like, he knows my voice because we spent 12 years writing together. So there is no... Um, Oh gee, why didn't you think about this? Like, yeah, yeah I fucking did. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, like there isn't any of yeah. that. What is interesting is since this is the first book that I've written that's just me, normally our fights or not our fights, but our discussions would be like, Okay, you sent me this thing and then I may just rewrite four thousand words of it and say yeah, it's a book and say, This is how I'd do it. There wasn't any like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about mm-hmm. that? It's we didn't do that. We yeah. just said, let's put it on the page and we'll know when we look at the page. Which one of these two we're supposed to do? There, there's no, and so critique for me is really fucking weird. Yeah. Like when somebody's like, oh, what about this? I'm like, ah. <laughs> like write what you mean so I can yeah. see it. Well, and I think that's what we kind of did that too. When Daniel and I would be writing, we would uh, we used a program called Celtics. And so – Is that what, how you pronounce it? I pronounce it Celtics. Celtics, yeah. 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 yeah Strobel yeah. pronounces it. I know he pronounces yeah, it Celtics. exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like yeah. – It's free Final Cut. I know exactly. Pro, exactly. Or, uh, not Final Cut. So, uh, uh, final Draft. Final Draft. What was nice about though is I could write a paragraph, yeah. a dialogue or whatever, and you could tack a note on there. Mm-hmm. And then you'd see that note when you're reading through the script, and you go to the note, and it's like, try this. Yeah. And you could look at it side by side yeah. and be like, okay, cool, I really like that, or yeah. I don't like that, or somewhere in between. I like both of those. Are you guys yeah. writing a sequel together? We are. Um, and that's actually been an interesting thing, too, because um, – Am I spilling the beans? They're doing a sequel. No, no, no. You're fine. You're right. <laughs> well, we're working on the sequel right now, and how I want to begin it. And how Daniel wants to begin it. Like, we know the, the basic things yeah. that we want to hit. The the characters, what happens to the characters, yeah. all this. But it's all about, like, how does it start? Yeah. Because how it starts completely changes the tone of the film. You need and, a webisode. And, and, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. and about a samurai. <laughs> yeah, like, samurai cowboy. Yeah, uh, Revelation yeah. Trail 2. Fucking samurai cowboy. Samurai right? cowboy. But, um... And so right now I've actually written the opening for it. Yeah. Now now I'm going the route of treatment first and yeah. then script. I'm going to try something a little different just because I don't I don't have as much time to write the script. Yeah. I've only got about six months as yeah. opposed to eh, we'll, we'll be yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing treatment first and then the script. And so I wrote this really kick-ass opening that tonally matches the ending of the mm-hmm. first, even though it's not right after the first. It's yeah. five years later. Because I want the tone to change over the film. Yeah, from, and he wants it to start with a different and tone. I think he kind of wants to start with a slightly different tone to it. You know, and that's where we're doing all this via Google Docs yeah. and writing. And so, we, you know, having that, we're both writers. We're yeah. both. We're, we're no, both you writers. said you're a director. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're both Suddenly now when you're not getting yeah, your way, you're like, fuck it, I'm a writer. But it is one of those things, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, when it suits it, your needs, you're a writer. Nintendo, it's yeah, my yeah, birthday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, but that is one of those things where we're we're both coming at this from slightly different tone perspectives, yeah. and it's like we've really got to knock this down because, yeah. like, you know, it could it could how we start this is going to change. It's going to change the tone of the yeah. rest of the film. You know, so, my two cents. He's right. Really, you need to start with a completely different tone. Otherwise, it will feel too much like it's. Even if it changes over time, people need that, and you got to tell the you got to tell the audience initially. You got to put them in that place where they're like, "This is different." Well, okay, and, and maybe 
All right. The I mean, last, knowing nothing about yeah, any of this stuff. The like. last one ended. The last one ended more of a action mm-hmm. action western or yeah. whatever. I shouldn't say this one's going to start with action. Like yeah. it's not going to be that exact. But it's. I feel like as a writer, yeah. we need to kind of start on that same, not the same level, but somewhere in that same territory. So there's a bit of continuity between the two. So then we veer off into this, like just like the first one. The in first media writer, res, huh? In media res, you start. In the middle of what the action is in the second movie. Okay. Like it is – because you could always have a reference back to – I mean there will be some yeah. other connection, but you're trying to – if you look at that like – like think about Star Wars, right? Like yeah. let's just go to the source material, right? Like we yeah. end with the fucking wee, and then what, what do we do? We don't start with like a – Hey, remember when we were all winning awards? Like suddenly you're on a fucking ice planet in the middle of yeah, nowhere, right? Like that's it true. is. It, it, I know. I went Star yeah, Wars. You on went you. Star Wars. I and did. Worked, right. <laughs> it's like I love my end, my beginning. Okay, but it's um. Well, that's your fucking webisode. Yeah. I mean, that's the connector, right? Yeah. Like that's the. I mean, I don't know. I'm not part of this, but yeah. like I would say, like you have if you don't draw a line of demarcate. I just read the the last policeman trilogy, which is Ben Winter's big trilogy. And the and all three of his books do that. They all start in a completely. It's jarring at first because I yeah. read the three of them together, but if he would have strung them together as one book, I would have not liked it because it's a, the second story and the third story are different stories. They're in the same world. It's the same guy. The same things are happening, but we have moved through time, and that's different. Um, so I was I didn't feel like I read one book three times. I felt like I read three books about one guy. Okay. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. So, so and I know just, I get no vote in this. <laughs> you son of a bitch. But I'm going hot. Yeah. I just I went hot on your ass, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> it is a good point. And, you know, it is one of those things, too, where I'm just like, okay, what – and and that in, that beginning is crucial, you know, yeah. and it's like, uh, you know, and, and I, you know, I guess my thing is like, you know, do I want to – do I – I mean, again, it's all about tone and yeah. what I want to reveal. Do I want to jump in that – too soon because like i've got this whole like apocalypse now descent into mm-hmm. whatever and you know with these elements of mad max which i've, I've talked about before right. not to say it's going to rip off those although it is going to rip off those now right. um and it's like okay but if i where i start the script now easily sets me up for that mm-hmm. if i start halfway into that journey though yeah. Will I still be able to like fully? You know, right. it, it's all about where. You know, yeah. An immersion. Where do I want to begin the immersion? You know. Well, and that's, and that's the yeah. big thing is like, do I want to begin the immersion? And of course, I, I keep using my hands when I talk right. to illustrate things, and this is bad. But like, do I want to begin it here and then you know descend over time, or do I begin halfway on the right. descent? You know, yeah. and that's that's the challenge from a tone standpoint. And it's but, also the writer, like you know, there, it is. Um, if you want to tell one story in three parts. It has that, con- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but it, that's just a choice. That's a writer choice. That is not a, um, you know, like there's not a right or wrong answer to that. Well, from a writing standpoint, too, to tell you the the other big challenge is that we have to write this movie, in my eyes at least, and Daniel is in 100% agreement. We have to write this in such a way that the audience did not have to see the first one to get it, right? Because it's it's if we were theatrical on the first, it'd be a different story. Right. Most people would have already seen the first, right? And they get it's like know, writing the book. Well, Avengers. Yeah. Avengers 2 can acknowledge that Avengers 1 existed right. and, like, you know, they can pull right, right off of things and stuff like that. Revelation Trail, there's a good chance that this will be the sequel, right. the first one that they saw, and then they go back. I'm like, oh, shit, there yeah. was another movie. 
So that's where we're trying to approach it as well from that tone yeah. standpoint. But that's why I would say you've yeah. just argued to not make that tone yeah. be related to that first that's one true. because yeah. if that's the first one, it's irrelevant. Yeah. That is an irrelevant component yeah. to that movie. I think part of it too is I'm, I'm really a big Evil Dead Evil Dead yeah. 2 fan, and I always call our ending, without spoiling anything, the Evil Dead 2 ending. If you think about it, like yeah. when you watch the movie, it technically kind of sets up the next yeah. the next arc or the next Oh, see, and to me it's Butch Cassidy and the Sunday oh, okay. Kid, right? So, like, well, I see it as a – seeing the end of that movie, I would expect the next movie to be something completely different mm-hmm. than what I just saw. Completely. Well, and that's the thing. It's like I, I feel that we – so Redley Trail is 108 minutes long or whatever. Yeah. I feel that the next movie begins at 106 minutes into – if that makes – and you've seen yeah. the movie. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. Like, you know, so that's the reason why I kind of want to pick up the next one with that same tone. Yeah, I'm on, Dan- I'm on Daniel's side on yeah, that. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I yeah you just, I'll make sure he listens to this. You know? <laughs> Although I'll send him an edited version. Yeah, just, well, I, yeah. I can, I'll can. i send him an email and be like, just listen to the last <laughs> like, four hey, minutes. Don't, right. don't agree with him. So. Well, hey, thanks yeah. for sitting down to talk with me. It, All right. There you have it. That was my conversation with John. We ended up talking for another two hours after the podcast ended. Started working out some of the details for Revelation Trail 2, which is going to be fantastic. Make sure right now you can go find Revelation Trail on iTunes. You can find it at Walmart, uh, most distributors. Uh, It's great. You will not be sad if you watch it. Don't forget the Downtown Writers Jam is happening November 12th. At Indy Reads Books, we have lots of great authors. You can find out all about it at the uh, thegeekypress.com backslash events. Make sure you sign up. Tell us you're coming on Facebook so we know how many people are there. I think we already have like 50 people um, plus the eight authors. It's going to be a big night. You can go to thegeekypress.com and find out all the books that we have. There's also a review section where we read some of the latest stuff that's out, and just things that interest us and write about that. If you have any comments, if you want to tell us anything, there's a contact form on the site. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your day. We look forward to seeing you back around the internet. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.